This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. What up? We are here with another episode of the Packs What She Said podcast going on, I think, three weeks, three or four weeks with a new intro. Um Gonna already run out of ideas, so gonna have to keep uh, keep grinding, keep finding new ways to introduce the show. But I am one of your hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. Uh, because we've already talked about the Packers and the Lions, we will do kind of a brief what's different about the Lions, and then we have a little bit of a mailbag where we got some pretty good questions on our Twitter this morning that we thought we'd answer as kind of the second half of the show. So, Perry. The Packers can clinch the division this week with a win over Detroit and if the Vikings lose to the Buccaneers. Wait, that's crazy. That's so early for the early. Packers. Normally yeah. they're they don't know until like week 17. Um that's very exciting and also very possible um on both fronts. Uh, I think the Buccaneers would feel not great about themselves. They lost to the Vikings. Um is that game home or away for the Bucs? It's it's at the Bucs. Yeah, it's Yeah. Yeah. So that that's yeah we'll be rooting for the bucks um you know unfortunately uh this week and yeah packers are going to detroit they're going to ford field nice dome experience for aaron Rodgers against the 32nd ranked lions defense um so it should be a very very favorable matchup for this number one packers offense yeah, and I want your thoughts on this because I I talked about this a little bit on Pack a Day and we talked about it a little bit on Happy Hour, but the Lions obviously let go of Matt Patricia after their Thanksgiving loss to the Texans, and the Lions now are one and zero under their interim head coach, even though it was a game that they likely should have lost. Um, this is the second time this season that the Packers have played an interim head coach. They played Romeo Cornell when he took over for the Texans in week seven. He was one and one at the time. He's now four and four. Um, and it, it kind of, I said this on the show, reminds me a little bit of when the Packers fired Mike McCarthy at the end of the season and the Packers went out and immediately won the next week for Joe Philbin going one and oh, and then they ended that season two and two. So do you think having a new coach really changes much for the Lions? Because I think it's more of a, we're going to rally for the new guy thing. And then the team is still that team. I think the Lions are still the Lions and this isn't going to be some type of magical turnaround. 
I don't really like buy into that, to be quite honest with you. First, I think this win this past weekend was more of excitement that they're not under Patricia than it is for that they have <laughs> like Bevel now. I mean, Bevel's with that been with them all season, right? Like there's not yeah. much different. Uh and I I don't I mean, I feel like this is very similar, like very, very different, I mean, than Mike McCarthy. Like Mike McCarthy was a Super Bowl winning, like eight year, nine year head coach. That that was difficult. Like I think that was more to like save face uh for the Packers organization that they should go out and win I mean these these guys are competitors they don't go out there every week to lose I know that there's some fun like tropes about the Jets tanking for Trevor but no player makes it to the NFL and then decides I'm gonna go out there every Sunday and lose that that's just not in their nature um so I, I don't particularly think that that there there's that much to it. I do think though that like, you know, there does get to a point in the season when you clearly are out of playoff contention. You don't want to hurt yourself in an unnecessary game. Maybe the players don't play as hard, uh, but that's not the lions. Uh, they are a little bit out of the hunt, but I think second place in the division is kind of up for grabs right now between all three teams uh, the Bears are just absolutely imploding, so I don't see it <laughs> being the Bears. But I think the Lions, if they made a push uh, and kind of won out or won most of the rest of the season, like they could potentially grab that seventh seed out from under the Vikings. So it's not like they're out here playing for nothing. Uh, but I also don't think that Bevel is going to bring anything particularly new to this team. I think they're pretty much going to be what we've seen all season under Patricia. There's not much out there to change. It's not like they've brought in any new personnel uh, and he's probably going to run the same scheme that we've been seeing all season. So uh, it's a little bit of a toss up. I just think that, you know, the lions aren't very, very good. And just because they're playing under a new head coach doesn't mean that all that much has changed. And I think the Packers have only gotten better since we've played them in week two. And we still put up over 40 points on them in the second week of the season. So yeah, maybe they have some fire because they're happy that Patricia is gone, but that's not a women winning formula. So you don't right. win a season off spite. I, I love that idea, honestly, winning because you're spiteful. But no, and I think it's kind of funny. Uh, Daryl Bevel, um, Packers fans maybe saw it kind of circulating this week, but he was actually Aaron Rodgers' first quarterback coach just for a year when he got drafted. He was with the Packers in 2005. So I do think that's a little bit of like a funny connection how things kind of come full circle and now the could be three-time MVP uh will be playing against somebody who was there when he first entered the NFL so I mean you know we talked about this a little bit pre-show there are some things that are kind of different about this Lions team going into this matchup like you said it's in a dome the Packers you know have played well on the road this season um Kenny Galladay uh, let's talk about their injury report you know Kenny Galladay probably will not be able to play he's got an injury Jeff Akuda, uh their starting corner who has had kind of a rocky rookie season probably won't be playing uh, but outside of those two pieces it seems like that roster should be relatively healthy and ready to go for the for the game on Sunday even though Matt Stafford he's got I think it was a right thumb injury but he'll be playing he played last week so yeah. What do you see being different about this game? 
Not a ton, to be quite honest with you. I mean, especially with Kenny Galladay and Jeff Okuda out, that's your number one wide receiver, arguably, and I guess technically your number one corner, even though he is a rookie and Devontae Adams torched him in week two. Uh, I I guess it's, you know, Matt Stafford is the... He's he's the engine that runs this machine, and if he decides to play to the level in which we know he can play, then that always gives them an edge. Uh, he's, as Rogers has pointed out, a quarterback that can make any and all throws, and he's pretty much, you know, the heart. <laughs> he, he's he, he's it. He's their offense. Um, so I still I think that it's more about what the Packers are better at. Right? We we've we've gone up now at, to the 15th rank defense, which is much better. I think than when we started this season, um, we're shoring up the run better again than we were at the beginning of the season. And, uh, our offense is running incredibly smoothly to the point where I feel like Rogers is going to have a clean pocket the entire game against this pretty abysmal lions pass rush. So I, I think it's more that the Packers have improved, whereas the lions haven't. Yeah. And I mean, friend of the podcast, Jacob Westendorf always says, if you look at games on paper, kind of how do these matchups happen? And it it genuinely feels like going into this game, the Packers aren't really losing any of the categories if this game were played, you know, on paper and on the stat sheet. And obviously that's not the case, but, you know, the run defense, like you said, has looked better the last couple of weeks. They kept Miles Sanders in check. Uh, DeAndre Swift is better than he was in the beginning of the season. Adrian Peterson is still a Hall of Fame Adrian Peterson. Uh, but beyond some of that, you talked about it already. The the Lions front seven is not generating a lot of pressure. They're towards the bottom of the league in sacks. I think they have 18 through 12 games. So Aaron Rodgers should stay upright and clean pretty much the entire game. Uh, the Packers had their best offensive output of the season against the Lions. They had like 280-something yards on the ground. We saw Aaron Jones break a career long last week against the Eagles. So, you know, yeah. kind of, you're ticking all the boxes yeah. for how the Packers can can win this game pretty easily. Yeah, and I, I think that this, and we talked about this a little bit pre-show, but I think this game just has all the pieces to be like the exact formula in which the Packers win best, which is come out hot, get hot and score early, uh, be ahead a few scores, and then just start to lean on Aaron Jones, run the ball, long drives, force the Lions to throw the ball and lean on Matt Stafford because they're behind in the score. And that's what our defense is uh, you know, best at, is stopping, stopping the pass. So it's just got like all of the building blocks to be a, a pretty classic win. Of course, it's the NFL, and it's Sunday, and that might not happen because we've decided to talk about it that way. Uh, maybe it'll end up being one of those like excruciating lions games where they're like tied the entire time and win with a last second field goal. Cause that can perfectly happen. But uh, yeah, I just, I just see this being um, exactly the way they want to draw it up. Yeah. So quickly before we go to the mailbag, then um, I know that we said that we were going to kind of differ from the way that we normally do these shows, but do you have an X factor for Sunday's game? Because to me, there's a couple, I guess, new pieces and kind of new opportunities for some of these players to step up. So knowing what the Packers injury report looks like, you know, we've seen Raven Green go on injured reserve, Tyler Irvin, uh, Billy Wynn. Can, are, is there anybody for the Packers that you're going to be keeping an eye on Sunday that maybe you wouldn't have been on your radar before this game? 
Um, not that there's no one not on my radar. I mean, I, I think that I would love to see some more Kamal Martin on the field than he has been, especially with Raven green out. Um, I think he has like all the makings and athleticism to take over exactly what Raven green has been doing for us in that sort of hybrid linebacker safety role. Although obviously Kamal Martin leans more linebackers, just more athletic linebacker than we have had in a long time. Um, but I really want to see if Tavon Austin suits up. He was inactive last week uh, and we don't have Tyler Irvin. And this is why we brought him in, right? Is to take over that, that kick returner role. So I don't know. I think he could be kind of fun. Yeah. And I mean, Matt LaFleur had said, you know, Tavon Austin was ready to go last week. He was a healthy scratch as an inactive. It's not like they didn't trust him. It's just how kind of the chips fell that week. But you would have to think that with Tyler Irvin on injured reserve, he will be the guy in the backfield this week returning punts and kicks. And then Anthony Rush was the player that I personally had in mind. Big uh, 360-pound Anthony Rush run stuffing. Um, Billy Wynn looked really good. I think he's only going to be out about three weeks with his triceps injury. Hopefully it's not longer than that. I thought he's had some good moments for the Packers this season, but if the run defense is kind of a question mark, if you put somebody that's 360 pounds in the middle of the defense, that that's a pretty big hole that you've just plugged with a giant human being. So that's, I think that's what I'm excited to see is, you know, if he's active and if he plays any snaps, kind of what that does and, you know, if that takes any pressure off of guys like Kenny Clark, because who do you double team, the guy that's 360 or Kenny Clark? You kind of have to pick your poison there. Because if you don't double team Kenny Clark, then you're pretty much screwed. <laughs> Should we take some listener questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Starting with Jared, he said, do you see Mike Patton getting fired if we go 12 and four or 13 and three? He says no, personally. I hate this question, um, to be honest with you. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't – I hope that we have a great season. I hope we win the Super Bowl, you know? Like, whether – whatever that means for his job or not I, is is up to Goot and Matt LaFleur. I think regardless of record, I can definitely see Matt LaFleur bringing in somebody new this offseason simply because he kept Petten from the McCarthy era for – ease of transition and it's not his choice and it's not his guy. And he does seem a little bit frustrated with him and the way that he's playing his defense. So I think the record doesn't have so much to do with it as just like whether or not Matt LaFleur wants his own guy. Yeah. And I don't want to be reactionary here, but there's a part of me that thinks Sean Menenga's job is a little bit hotter than Mike Pettin's at this point, because you know, the Packers are still winning games and the defense by the last couple of weeks has looked it's ascending to me personally. And I think yeah. it's looked much better. And I know that there's garbage time plays that you can throw away, but you know, the Packers players like Zadarius Preston, Kenny Clark talked to Mike Patton said, can we get back to doing what we're really good at? And Mike Patton said, yeah. And if this defense continues to look really good the next couple of weeks into the playoffs, if they make a deep push, I think regardless of record, if there's improvement there, Matt LaFleur probably, you know, is okay with keeping him for another season. Um, or if he wants to bring in his home guy, like you said, but the special teams kind of blunders the last couple of weeks have been to me more concerning than the defense is that every time there's a JK Scott punt, you're kind of holding your breath, wondering if it's going to go to the house. And, you know, I think there's been four punt returns all season for a touchdown and the Packers have given up two of them. So I'm, I don't know if that's an indication of Sean Meninga or the guys that aren't playing into their assignments, but to me, that's the bigger question mark right now. 
Let's bring Pat McAfee out of retirement. Can you imagine if he was on the coaching staff and got to just hang out with Rogers? Problem solved. I would love it. I don't think he would ever do that. He enjoys his job way too much, but yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that let's see what Tavon Austin's got. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's the flip side. That's the problem right now. Not our return game. Yeah. Um, Jordan asks, what has surprised you the most about this Packers season, both positive and negative? Yeah. Why don't you take this one? I've been thinking about this for a while, but I want to hear what you have to say first. Um, Okay. So part of what surprised me the most this season has just been the cohesion of the offense, you know, because I think we saw kind of who Matt LaFleur could be and what we knew his scheme could do going into the season. We saw a lot of the kind of building blocks in 2019, but we've said it all season. Honestly, at this point, it sounds like a broken record to say that this is a better Packers team that could finish with the worst record. I think everything about this Packers team is significantly better than the 2019 squad that we saw. And I think that's been a positive surprise. I mean, Aaron Rodgers historically doesn't put up the numbers that he's putting up. He's always been an MVP caliber player, but you know, to have 36 touchdowns in 12 games is pretty absurd. I think he's only top 35, like twice in his career. So to kind of see the output, seeing Devante also having a career game, seeing so many Packers like Robert Tunyon with eight touchdowns contributing so much to the offense. I think that's kind of been the positive surprise as I, I felt like it could be a good successful offense, but to be number one in the league exceeded expectations. And then for the negative, I think honestly, it's still the run defense because that was, I I don't know if that qualifies because it's not really a surprise, but it was one of the big question marks going into the off season was how will the Packers address this glaring need that they have to shore up the run defense and in the beginning of the season, didn't really feel like they had done anything. So I guess we'll kind of see how the season finishes and what that looks like against better teams. But I guess, I guess those are my two. Yeah. I think that I was not surprised uh, by the success of the offense. Just like, I think naturally going into another year, it's going to be, better than than the first I think it's a little bit unprecedented to be quite honest the success that the Packers had in a first year of like an entirely new regime and new scheme um but I think it's like the level of just overwhelming success that this offense has had and more I think specifically the way that Matt LaFleur has used seemingly no quote no weapons and have turned them into you know really successful pass catchers for this offense and Aaron Rodgers we're going to have Devonta Adams has already reached over a thousand yards on the season I don't think that's a surprise to anyone but Robert Tunyon is three yards away from 500 MVS has already eclipsed 500. I think by the end of the season, Alan Lazard will also have 500. Like we have four pass catchers who are going to have 500 or more yards in a given season. And I don't know if that's happened in a while. 2012. Uh, 2012. Thank you. So yeah, I, that's almost a decade. Think about that. That's almost a decade ago that we had four pass catchers have the level of success that the Packers offense has had, not to mention how, you know, just well the run game runs with, I think, one of the best one-two punches in the league. So 
I think it, it is a testament. Yes, of course, we know that, you know, Aaron Rodgers is Superman. He's one of the best to ever play the position ever in the history of the sport. But I give so much more credit to Matt LaFleur for, I think we've talked about this a good amount, but just like, he just like has eked out everything, all of the potential from every player that he has on this offense and has led all of them to succeed in a way that I don't think I could have ever imagined them succeeding. And that's just a testament to him and what he sees in his guys and also the way he deploys his scheme to the benefit of his players. So that's been, I think, the the biggest surprise to me is, I guess, to sum it up, is just like Matt LaFleur's vision. Um, the... I guess negative surprise. I mean, how much is there really is there negative on this team? Um, Nothing about what the Packers did this season surprised me in a negative way. I think that like maybe the draft was a surprise to some. I personally didn't have as much issue with it. I'm not surprised that they didn't grab someone in free agency, especially given this sort of weird year. Um, the run defense doesn't surprise me. Uh, I do think, I guess the sort of clear, maybe I'm just projecting, but the sort of clear, um, I don't think distrust is the right word, but small annoyance that you could see from the head coach in our defensive coordinator. Uh, I, you know, he's never obviously outright said anything, but if you listen to his press conferences, I think as often as we do, uh, you pick up on his emotions and the way that he expresses himself. And there's definitely been some comments that just surprised me out of a Packers leader. Uh, not, I guess not necessarily in a bad way, but you know, you definitely don't go into the season hoping that your defensive coordinator is, somewhat on the outs by the end of the season. So, yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And that's, you know, really well said too, is just the fact that Matt LaFleur is such a, I guess, quiet leader where you would never see him outwardly saying anything, but some of the comments he's made in previous weeks about like what he would be doing with the defense or acknowledging that there are things that need to be kind of straightened out. If this Packers team wants to make a push in the playoffs, it is something noticeable and something significant that we probably wouldn't have seen from him in year one. And I think not that it's a surprise, but I remember when he was hired, everybody talking about how he just seemed so unsure and he was kind of quiet and to himself. And he didn't seem like he had the gusto or like the tenacity to be an NFL head coach and just kind of the way he's really emerged as a leader of men and a really good public speaker and kind of a representative of the Packers franchise has been really fun. And I don't know if I'd call it a surprise, but I think it was just, it's just a very natural kind of growth in his second season. And that's been really rewarding, especially kind of the relationship that he has with his guys and especially with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Their relationship is lovely. I mean, I, I think that I fully expected them to mesh in, at a certain level, but by no means do I expect them to be, you know, as close as they seemingly are nicknames and all, and just like so much respect between the two of them. Clearly the way they talk about each other from a, from a leadership and just like skill set standpoint, like you can tell that they just have an immense amount of respect for one another. I think there's something to be said, honestly, in bringing in a head coach to work with a quarterback where they're like kind of almost the same age you know, uh, he's still older than Rogers, but he, they, I think he also gets Rogers 
because because they are the same age, but he's young enough to be able to connect with some of the younger guys on the team. It's a very interesting sort of age that Matt LaFleur is at from like a leadership standpoint. Yeah. And I don't know if it has anything to do. Um, so thank you, Jordan. You've sent us on a complete tangent tangent that we didn't expect, but I don't know if it's something to do with kind of the way that Aaron Rodgers approached this season. But one of the things that's been really interesting to me too, is just, he seems so calm and so happy regardless of what's happening. Like even in a loss, you could tell in kind of po- like previous seasons that it would eat at him or he'd be kind of figuring out like what went wrong or what they could do better. And this season, he just seems so at peace with everything. And the way that he praises Matt LaFleur at almost every opportunity and just talks about how fun, how much fun he's having playing football and how much he loves seeing guys like big dogs celebrate and get touchdowns. And it's just, it's such a different feeling. And, you know, maybe it's because we were like nine when the Packers brought in Mike McCarthy, but I just don't remember hearing Aaron Rodgers seem so relaxed and so like, heaping so much praise onto McCarthy for like his scheme and the way that the team was developed. Like it really feels like when Matt LaFleur came in, he changed the culture. And I I know we're not privy to other NFL locker rooms, but this is about the closest Packers team in the last couple seasons that I can remember a Packers team being, even with some of the big names that used to be on the roster. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And yeah, just, it's it's a big deal what Matt LaFleur has come in and done from a culture standpoint, plus just having a ridiculous amount of success on the field, which I don't think from a national media standpoint he gets enough praise for. Because that man has won more, like, he's his record is ridiculous, and he's only ever lost one divisional game. <laughs> just, yeah, never back-to-back, ever. Never so. back-to-back, yeah. And, and sure, yes, he has one of the best quarterbacks ever, but you know, you, we've seen that it doesn't matter how good Aaron Rodgers can be. Like they can still lose and have losing seasons with him. Like we saw it at the end of the Mike McCarthy era. So it isn't just about having a great quarterback. It's knowing what to do with him as well. Yeah. And even like one of the examples, like when people talk about Devonte Adams and his reputation as one of the best in the NFL, Devonte Adams played really well with Brett Hundley. Like Devonte was probably Brett Hundley's security blanket that season. So I think that's a true testament to who he is as a player too, is that ability to perform regardless of kind of your surroundings. And then it's like you said, a testament more so to Matt LaFleur and the way that he can create a scheme that's effective to whatever personnel he has. He didn't need a first round wide receiver or, you know, a big free agent signing to still run a very successful offense. And, you know, by all statistics right now, as we record this, the number one offense in the NFL, which is uh, pretty wild. So Robin asked us a couple different questions. Uh, we'll take a couple of them. Um, you don't have to necessarily use Christian Kirksey as an example here, but obviously uh, the question was, would you, would you release Christian Kirksey at the season's end to free up 6 million? And I guess uh, maybe from a more broad sense, do you see any Packers that are on the team now that don't have expiring contracts kind of being on the hook to maybe let them go to make room for some of the Packers free agents? And I guess, sorry to spring this on you. You don't have to fully answer, but kind of how would you rate the priority then of the remaining Packers free agents? Because we've seen Kenny Clark and David Bakhtiari get their, get their money. And I feel like kind of going into the season, those were the two that were the agreed upon uh, priority one and two for this Packers team. Um, I think that the, I can't see the Packers making like willy nilly cap casualty cuts. That's not something that they do. I can see them like restructuring contracts to keep people before they just cut people outright. 
Uh, I also think that honestly, after Aaron Jones, they likely won't extend any more uh, players. I, I, I want so badly Corey Lindsley to stay and maybe after his up and down season of, you know, health wise, maybe he would take a little bit more of a team friendly deal in order to do that. And that way they can keep him. But I just can't, I can't see them. I can't see the Packers extending anybody else besides Aaron Jones. And so that doesn't necessarily like mean that they're in any sort of cap space. Hell Uh, they can, structure it in a way where it's, you know, less cap heavy the next two seasons or, you know, most cap heavy this coming season and not in next season when they have to pay Jair and Devante um, and deal with maybe some, some cuts after next season when they need to make those two likely ginormous extensions that both of those players deserve. So I think like, there's been some talk about Christian Kirksey. Maybe Rick Wagner was only a one-year situation. Uh, I've heard like Adrian Amos and Preston Smith thrown around there. I don't think either of those guys are going anywhere. Uh, you don't make – the Packers are always very deliberate in the deals that they make, and I can't see them – that's not the formula for the way this Packers front office works is just cutting people outright. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I like the way that you worded that, especially with like deliberately, because I I agree with you that I don't think that's really how the Packers kind of operate historically. And, you know, a lot of kind of maybe the hiccups that we're seeing with guys like Preston Smith was more due to the scheme that the the defensive coordinator was utilizing in the beginning of the season. And I think that kind of going into these last four games of the season, a lot of that'll be really telling is what happens with guys like Preston and Rashawn and kind of that additional development. I don't think Adrian Amos goes absolutely anywhere. He has looked so good for the Packers. Uh, Darnell Savage is still obviously ascending. Um, As far as cutting players, I agree with you. I don't think that that's really something that the Packers do. Um, I think Jimmy Graham was kind of the exception and not the norm as far as releasing a player early. Um, The question mark I have, I think honestly is, is at the center position. Like you said, I adore Corey Lindsley and his family. um, And I wonder what they're going to do with Elton Jenkins. Um, Corey Lindsay was the best center before injury by pro football focus standards. One of the best in the NFL at what he does. Elton Jenkins plays literally anywhere. And I don't know if you want to take away from kind of shoring up your left guard position for the next 10 years to now find a center, you know, I guess it's where do you value some of those positions? So um, I agree with you about Kevin King. And I guess uh, this is my early early bid saying I wouldn't be too surprised if the Packers take a corner in the first round of the 2021 NFL draft. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Another question then is um, would you consider big Bob Tunyon to be playing at a pro bowl level? Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. The guy's got eight touchdowns. He's playing like one of the best tight ends in the league right now, honestly, besides like Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller, uh, who else is is the, having the production that he is? Yeah. Um, certainly in the NFC, right? I, I can't think of any other tight end on any other team. Like Kyle Rudolph's not doing anything. So, yeah, I, I think for sure. I think he also has – I mean, look, the pro ball is a little bit of a joke. I don't take it seriously whatsoever. But it is a bit of a popularity contest. And Big Bob, I think, has created – or not created, but – shown the NFL, not just Packers fans, but like shown the greater NFL, like his personality, which is lovely and fun and bubbly. And, 
uh, I think that that also leans into a little bit of the Pro Bowl voting. So I wouldn't be surprised since he's such a likable guy that he would get voted to the Pro Bowl. But it doesn't even matter this year because they're not even playing the game. Yeah, I I know it's a virtual Pro Bowl, and I don't know what that means. Probably nothing. But in my head, I picture them playing like Jackbox games or trivia Man. or some, <laughs> yeah, like some weird virtual contest. But um, vote for Zadarius Smith for the Pro Bowl. He does not want to be snubbed again. That's kind of a kind of a big thing on the show. We love and support Zadarius Smith and everything he does, and we protect him at all costs. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Barry, I think we're, we're just about out of time. So before we wrap up the show, do you have a game prediction for Sunday? What, what, what you got for the score? Yeah, I think it's going to be like 37, 20. Okay. Um, I, I said this on Packer report with Ross. I think that, you know, the, the Packers will let the lions have some level of garbage time points, um, I think you can see it being very similar to the last like two weeks where the final score and the actual real score while the game was still on the line um, are two very different things. So, but I can't, I can't envision a world where this is a game that the Packers don't win quite handily. Yeah. I said that kind of the same thing on pack a day. It's just, you know, the lions, I don't know why have historically paid, played the Packers really close kind of these last couple seasons. And it's, I guess, I guess not really week two. The Packers kind of pulled that one away, but they did start down 14 to zero. So, you know, there is some element to the Lions that always kind of keep things interesting with the Packers. Uh, the score I had in mind was like 30, 20, 35, 27. I don't know if I think it'll be a one score game, but I do kind of feel like the Packers will put up some points. And like you said, we'll see opportunities for the Lions to kind of sneak back into the game and make it look like it was a much more contested match than it really was. Um, so, you know, we talked about in the beginning of the show, this is an opportunity for the Packers to clinch the division. If they beat the lions on Sunday, and if the Vikings lose to the Buccaneers, the Packers will be getting their hats and t-shirts for Christmas, just like Zadaria Smith wanted last season in week 16. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of fun that they can clinch the North against another opponent. It would be Matt LaFleur's second division win, or I guess, yeah, clinching the entire NFC North in his two seasons as the head coach. So Barry, if all of the lovely listeners would like to follow your work on social media, how can they do that? You can just follow me at Perry underscore Goldstein. Follow the podcast at PWSS podcast. If you aren't already, you should be with all the lovely updates. That's how you could have submitted your questions today for the mailbag. (laughs) So thank you all for sending in your questions. I'm sorry we didn't get to every single one of them. Um, And then everything else, all of my work is in my bio. So very easy to find there on Twitter. Yep. And you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. I write two articles a week for Cheesehead TV. I podcast with the Pack a Day Podcast Thursday crew. And you can find Perry and me on Mondays with Game on Wisconsin doing happy hour at 6 p.m. Lambo time. You can also buy Pack's What She Said merchandise in the link on our Twitter bio through our Teespring. I was just wearing uh, Pack's What She Said sweater about an hour ago and I changed because I was hot. So we also make t-shirts if you find yourself in that same situation as me. So thank you as always for listening to the show. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.